You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. To the Strong Towns podcast. Sorry, we are about a day delayed in getting this out. But uh, Chuck, how are you doing? How was your vacation? <laughs> I'm I'm a day delayed in being back from vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You were working pretty hard yesterday. Uh, I don't I don't feel mentally back even yet. Yeah, no, it's uh, vacation was awesome. In fact, uh, vacation with family and kids is about the best thing to me that, that, that I can ever do. I, I just love it. And we had such an enjoyable time, you know, Florida for a Minnesotan is in March is just a dream world because, you know, we're used to, uh, snow and cold and to just, you know, hang out on the beach and be warm and see grass and leaves and uh warm breeze uh, not have to wear a jacket. Not only that, but like I brought uh, sandals and I got off the plane and put them wow. on and never, mm-hmm. never wore anything else the entire week. So yeah, perfect. Um, very nice time. And it's, it's good to be back, but I think mentally, um, you know, I miss my kids and miss my wife and wish, uh, wish we could, wish we could have some way for me to week, have like a week of work vacation to ease back in, right? <laughs> yeah. So you are traveling this week. Um, what are you doing in South Carolina? I know you're going with Joe Minicozzi. I am. My bags are packed and uh, I'm going to be heading to the airport after we're done recording this. Uh, I am meeting Joe and uh, and Josh McCarty, Joe's uh, co-worker. Oh, cool. Yeah, absolute brilliant guy. Uh, we're actually working on a, on a top secret project with the state of South Carolina, uh, to look at, yeah, their, um, their infrastructure bank. And I guess I can't really say much more than that, probably because I don't know a lot more than that, but we're, we're going to be making some recommendations and kind of looking at how things are running and not running. And I should probably know more next week, actually. Okay. I've got a whole cool. stack of stuff to read on the plane and, uh, and, and familiarize myself. But this is one of those things where we're trying to try to help out a little bit, uh, a friend and someone who's a strong guns member and supporter and, and see if we can help him, uh, you know, make this thing into a, a real helpful, productive kind of entity for the state of South Carolina. Good. Uh, so I don't know if you were able to read any posts from last week, probably not because you were just relaxing on the beach, which is great. Um, but I'll just review a little bit last week. I mean, things were rolling just fine without you. I know Um, they always, they do now, which is the wonderful thing. You know, I used to, I used to go on vacation and it would be like radio silence and everything would would kind of fall apart. And now like nobody even notices I'm gone. If you guys, if you guys didn't say I was gone, no one would know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, you so kindly gave us a few pieces to play and post throughout the week. So yeah. that was helpful. It wasn't a completely Chuck free week for our readers. <laughs> um, but I kind of saw a theme last week. We had two posts that talked about pedestrian issues and those got a lot of conversation going. Um, one of them was a piece I wrote about pedestrian crossing buttons 
And people got very heated about them. I'm just looking at the post now and there are 72 comments. Uh, so that was interesting to see the discussion kind of unfold inspired by a Gizmodo article about, you know, those buttons that you have to press in order to get the walk signal to show up. And it's just kind of ridiculous that, you know, nobody ever has to press a button to, uh, get the stoplight to turn green for them to drive their car. Right. Right. Yeah. I actually, there was a, there was an article I saw, um, I, you are right. I actually didn't read anything. I, I read, I brought my Kindle and I worked on one book all week last week. Really long. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so I did not read anything we posted and I actually did not read any news or anything. Um, but yesterday I was catching up a little bit and I saw an article one of our members sent me uh, from New Mexico where New Mexico was uh, the, 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 the number one being the worst uh, place for pedestrian fatalities. And it was really sad because they had some quotes from the DOT officials and it basically said, uh, this is just a kind of systematic ubiquitous problem, almost in the vein of there's nothing we can do about it. Like this is, there's just a, you know, there's just a certain level of pedestrian attrition we have to get used to because we, you know, choose to be a mobile society. This is, this is the downside of being you know, mobile people with automobiles. And I just was appalled by that. And so, yeah, I, I, it doesn't surprise me that people reacted strongly to that because I think we're, we're starting to have uh, uh, more awareness now uh, than I I think we did a a decade or more ago about how big of an issue this is and, and and how solvable it is. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think the thing about the beg button that really, you know, drives home uh, the need for change is that a a lot of engineers just look at it as like a value neutral kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and the reality is, is there's a ton of values, human morality kind of values placed in that decision. Right. Right. It's it's the value to, you know, value one kind of mobility over another uh, to value, you know, one, person's time over another person's time. And, you know, we make these value trade-offs without even thinking about them. Uh, yet, you know, and, and, and as engineers, we don't even acknowledge that we're making value trade-offs. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it's, it's good that people are bringing it up that it is, you know, this, this actually is, has a moral dimension to it. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the time because that's certainly something that some people argue. They're like, why should I in my car have to wait? You know, if, if the pedestrian button just comes up automatically, why should I have to wait 30 extra seconds when there's no pedestrian there? But I'm like, I'm like, why should I have to wait at a light when there's no car there? I mean, it's just the same situation. So, um, I did want to address one thing in this that I should have gone into more depth, but some people brought up that bag buttons are helpful to people with um, mobility disabilities or with visual impairments. And certainly I hear that argument and I guess my response is signals and intersections that automatically create opportunities for pedestrians whether, you know, whatever mobility or visual impairment they might have to be able to cross, you know, every time they arrive, not after posting a button. So I think I've certainly seen intersections where that's the case, where there's like a vocal thing that says it's okay to walk or whatever. So I, I, I get this, address that. I get this a lot with shared space. And whenever I bring up shared space, there's a, there's a group out there 
who, uh, you know, they have at Google alerts or whatever, they, they troll the internet waiting for someone to talk about shared space. And then they kind of jump down your throat about people with vision impairments. And they have like a, mm-hmm. a series of videos they, they send me every time I talk about this at all. And it goes okay. into, you know, how difficult shared space environments are for people with, with vision dis- impairments. And I, there's a part of me that gets annoyed by their, their tactics and their approach because I, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I respect it. I get it. I, I get that they're trying to raise awareness. On the other hand, to look at the system now and say, okay, in this really system that's really despotic for everybody, for everybody who's not in a vehicle, we've found this like small narrow niche that we're able to apply in certain places at certain times that works for people with vision impairment. Um, I, like I get that, I get why that is better, and I get why that is important. Yet mm-hmm. the world that I think we envision—I mean, that I envision here at Strong Downs—and I think I think most of us that want this would be a, a world that would be uh, not despotic for anyone. <laughs> so, right. you know, I, I, a shared space environment, you know, one of the brilliant things about it is that it actually is a, a safe environment for everyone. Uh, right. If the cars are going so slowly that if somebody walks up to the street with a, clearly a cane, you know, the car will slow down and wait for that person to cross. I mean, maybe well, that's idealistic. No, that's what I would like to say. I, I think the hard part is the transition between the two, right? Because, you know, we do live in this world where I think everybody is, uh, you know, people who drive exclusively uh, and, and, and are not aware of everybody else. And, and we don't have environments that are designed for people not in a vehicle. The, the, the natural transition is to do the things that I think engineers in some places have done, which is the big buttons and the, you know, the, the signs that say, okay, it's safe to walk. And, but e- even those fall far short of what a, a truly safe environment would be for people and, and a truly productive environment would be for people as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I feel like the problem is in the transition. And in that, I think we have a lot of work to do, a, a lot of work, not only as a, as a movement myself, I, I, I don't know exactly how to make these transitions, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but I do know what the end state should look like. And it should be a, a place where people with vision impairments and, and people without vision impairments should feel very safe in. Yeah, absolutely. Another pedestrian-related uh, post that we had last week was written by Sarah Kobos, and this was a really fun um, photo essay kind of piece where she basically just showcased a whole bunch of things that appear to be pedestrian amenities, like sidewalks in suburban areas that are like completely falling short, um, yeah. as well as many things, um, you know, around these more auto-centric areas that are just like so bad for pedestrians. Um, even though there's technically a sidewalk there, it's not helpful. Um, so that's a fun piece. If anyone wants to look through fun and depressing. Sarah's Um, Sarah's just very good. I mean, she's brilliant and yeah, I I'll check that one out. I mean, it's, it is one of those things where, uh, you, you, you give people an A for like intention, but like an F for effort in a sense. 
Right. You know, right. And, and, and those things don't make sense together. Like how can you have like really good intentions when you have such bad follow through and effort, you kind of question both in a sense, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, how much of, how much of our landscape is just littered with these three foot wide sidewalks where no one would ever walk or get to. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, Again, you know, I, I've struggled with this too because there have been a few times where I've called this into question and had uh, people who are in wheelchairs or what have you. Even, even I did a couple of weeks ago. I wrote the piece about the uh, the human hamster wheel, the the that design where basically they had built the complete street to allow you to go in the suburban circle between the Taco Johns and or the Taco Bell oh. and the McDonald's. And yeah. like literally the, the, they have built this intersection and it was horrible. I mean, the, the, it, you couldn't get to it, but you could walk from literally the Taco Bell to the McDonald's by this circuitous route on a complete street. And it was all, you know, pimped out and had the, the decorative brick and the, the bollards and everything. And it was a, but you compl- probably couldn't actually walk to the Taco John's oh, or the no. McDonald's, just between them. <laughs> between them. You, you couldn't actually get there. You'd have like, to drive to the McDonald's. You would have to have driven to the site. There was tons of parking. Get out of your vehicle and then walk between them. And, of course, one of the, <laughs> one of the commenters on the article said, well, that looks like a very safe place for me and my wheelchair. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I, I completely understand that. And, yes, you know, having 200 feet of bollards, you know, in this intersection, having the sidewalk with the beveled things, this, this all meets like an ADD, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, this, ADA, this yeah. all meets an ADA standard. I've been working with kids too much. This, this all meets an <laughs> ADA standard uh, that, you know, comes out of a manual and makes a lot of sense. But A, it's a completely despotic surrounding. Uh, B, we've spent enormous sums of money for something that is like fractionally more functional for a tiny, tiny fraction of, of people. And C, if we were really interested in making the world better for people who had physical disabilities, we would design places that were not as despotic and were just generally basically more walkable and accessible. To, to say, mm-hmm. to say like lipstick on a pig, I think is like doing way more service to these things than they actually deserve. And who is going to go between Taco John's and McDonald's? I mean, how often are you going to do that? But I, I think like the hardcore, like the, the people, the ADA advocates, there's a certain group of them and I respect them. I mean, I understand that we've not built a place that is very friendly for, we've not built a world that is very friendly for someone in a wheelchair. I, I totally get that. And they will say, well, you know, if I choose to go between the Taco Bell and the McDonald's, I should be able to do that in a safe way. And I, I absolutely agree with that notion. The, I, what I think the problem is that the, the model of the McDonald's and the model of the Taco Bell, a parking lot in the middle of nowhere um, you know, next to another parking lot in the middle of nowhere is just not a, a very viable, compatible development style. And to try to mm. retrofit that like really, really expensively in a way that marginally improves that is to me a, a rather fruitless notion. 
not for people with hand, with with physical disabilities, but for everybody, for everybody. It's a, it's a it is a marginal improvement on failure for everybody. Mm-hmm. I want to mention our newest members from last week. Uh, we have several new people: Chase Anderson from Carbondale, Colorado; Benjamin Kaplan from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Naomi Lehman from Yuma, Arizona. Frank Murphy from Nanaimo, British Columbia. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Paul Sableman from St. Louis, Missouri. Matt Solomon from Washington, D.C. Keith Spolker from Cincinnati, Ohio. And Jay Urban from Cincinnati, Ohio. And Daniel Weir from Arlington, Virginia. Welcome, everybody. Um, thanks for becoming members. Yes, welcome. Thank you. I also want to mention uh, to our podcast listeners, if you haven't been on the website this week, we are running our March Madness competition. Um, We've been posting several matchups each day between two towns that are competing for the title of strongest town. So we are currently in the Sweet 16 round, um, and you can go on our website. Uh, Many of them are posted already. The last few will be posted today and tomorrow. Um, so definitely encourage you guys to go on there, read about these fantastic strong towns all over the country and vote for the ones that you think are the strongest. I have to say my, um, my control freak tendencies, I've been pretty proud of myself because I, I left like not knowing who the applicants were, uh, who the entrants were. I, I, I left like deciding everything up to you guys and I get back and I had like this moment of apprehension, like, oh my gosh. Is this going to be a disaster or what? And then it's Me been, <laughs> it's, I tell you, it's been awesome. I mean, I, I feel bad that Lancaster didn't make it into the sweet 16, but I totally get why. Um, you know, there's some people that are doing some well, really good work. It was a really, really hard decision uh, between no doubt, all of them. No doubt. And I, I looked at the matchups. I'm like, this is fantastic. You, 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 you and the rest of the team did a, a wonderful job of setting these up. And uh, I just, I, I really am enthused about this because you've got some great cities doing some really good stuff and, and, you know, they've got some warts and there's some things not going right, but these are places that mm-hmm. generally are, are working to do really good stuff. And I, I like the dialogue that's going on around this too. You know, I, I, I like the fact that we're actually having a, a conversation about how we take American cities that are, are not all great, that are kind of struggling, but, you know, how do we start to do things in a way that's going to make them stronger and, and better places to live? So, yeah, this is a really exciting contest, and I think you guys have set it up just brilliantly. Thank you. Yeah, anytime you start a new thing, you know, there's going to be a few kinks to work out. You're not quite sure if everything's going to go well. And I think so far it's been pretty good. There's been a few kinks, but I'm really pleased with the participation between people applying and people voting. So definitely encourage all our podcast listeners to get on there. Well, and on last tomorrow we'll be doing, Oh, sorry. Go I was ahead. just going to say last night when I went to bed, I looked before I went to bed, we had over a thousand votes. I, I can't see who voted for who. That's and amazing. Like, yeah. I can't see who voted for who and like what, you know, who's winning or not. I, 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 I'm not privy to that, but I could see like how many different people had casted votes and they may have voted, you know, in more than one, contest, but a a thousand people had voted last night. It was really exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so tomorrow at, Oh, what time tomorrow at 12 PM central, 
we will have a, um, a live broadcast uh, via Google Hangouts where all the Strongtown staff are going to discuss our brackets and uh, kind of talk about how the contest is going so far, which towns we think are, might come out on top. Um, and we encourage everybody to also fill out brackets. You can download those on our website. So you're going to do like and one of those make it predictions. One of those March Madness shows where you go around and everybody predicts, like I like you know I pick Fargo or I pick Hoboken, and here's why. Kind of the, yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe we won't go through every single one, but um, yeah, it should be a good discussion. We're hoping that people listening and watching will also participate in did the you, conversation. Did you fill out a bracket? Yeah, I did. Who uh, who's winning at all in your bracket? Can you can you disclose that? Like, is that? Uh, well, I will tell you, I have Hoboken going pretty you far. Do. Oh, you uh, do? Okay. In, maybe to the final too. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't quite decided, but I don't know. Andrew Price, our contributor who lives in Hoboken, he did not fill out this application, um, but another member uh, from Hoboken filled it out and. It, I don't know. It, it seems like a really great place. Maybe I'm just biased because it seems like a place I would want to live. Right. I never thought I'd say that about New Jersey. But Well, I, I never thought I'd say it about New Jersey either, but I read through their entry and, you know, wow, I, I, I want to go there. I thought that that looked mm-hmm. really fantastic. I, I have to say, I have this, um, I have this soft spot for Hayes, Kansas, um, just because yeah. I, I know all the work that they're doing and I know all the stuff that they're uh, putting together there. Um, it's amazing to me how many of these places I've been. I mean, San Marcos, Texas, I was in a couple of years ago and oh, cool. yeah, really loved the work they're doing. Fargo, of course, uh, I've been to a couple of times and they've got, you know, really Fargo in many ways is better. They're doing more things right than any city in Minnesota that I've run into. I mean, they're really, wow. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of like our little Milwaukee, uh, you know, the, the Wisconsin, Minnesota, Dakota, Iowa kind of vortex here that we live in. Um, they're mm-hmm. one of, they're, they're certainly one of the, the high marks. Um, yeah. I, we were in Pasadena Gosh, I, I loved Pasadena and I'm, I'm interested to see their entry and the stuff that they responded. And then, you know, Annapolis, West Palm Beach. These are, these are places that I've been recently that also, I know we've got strong membership there and, you know, people that are yeah. doing some really great things. So yeah, this is, this is an amazing list. And I know I was worried about 16. I thought, should we do eight? I'm thinking now, like maybe next year we'll have to do 32. Like this is really, this is a really a fantastic list. Yeah, we definitely hope to do this again next year. So we'll get even more, I'm sure, at that time. Um, So the webinar is tomorrow. And if you're a member, you will have received an email invite to that. If you didn't, you can contact Jason, our member support specialist. Um, And everyone will be able to view it. Just if you're a member, you can participate and ask questions. So hopefully everyone's able to attend that. Uh, Anything else we need to mention this week? It's pretty busy week. Yeah, I think we're good. I, I did want to talk. I, I last week I I dug into this book by Tomas Sedlicek, and I, I know I ran that um, that blog post when I was gone. You guys mm-hmm. ran that one that I put together. That was uh, an interview I heard of him on a, a different podcast. And my gosh, this is, this is like one of these guys that I've been looking for for a long time, which is the 
the economist equivalent of me, right? Like I'm the engineer who questions the orthodoxy of the engineering profession and the planner who's questioned the orthodoxy of the planning profession. And here's an engineer who is, you know, one of my favorite quotes of his, he said, uh, I think, I think uh, economists should be treated like all religious minorities. You know, they should be allowed to, to meet mm -hmm. and uh, voice their opinions, but you know, we shouldn't necessarily take them all seriously. And this is an economist, and the guy's brilliant. Uh, he's, he's Czech, and so his book has been translated into English, and it's not the easiest read. Um, I actually am only halfway through it, and I spent a lot of time last week reading uh, this book. So it's very, very long, but very good and well worth the time, and I'm, I'm planning to write a lot about it next week. Uh, I think we've blocked off some time awesome. for me to do that. So, yeah, I'm going to share some of the insights from from Tomas Sedlicek. And, uh, wow, very, very powerful stuff. Great. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, stay tuned. We'll have more podcasts this week. And uh, make sure to check out the March Madness com contest. All right. Take care, everyone. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org. They know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit Agenda 21. Yeah.